Well, over the last few weeks, we've been working through a series of messages centered on home improvement, and uh, we started out talking about the foundation, because the foundation of a solid house is important, but the foundation of a solid life is important, and it's a relationship with Christ. And we talked about that uh, Philippian jailer and how God changed his life in a radical way. Then we turned to the letter of Paul where we looked at the, the church to Ephesus, the letter to the church at Ephesus, and talked about building families with a complementary method where, where men have a role, women have a role, and they work together and build the house together. Then last week we talked about legacy and the importance of choosing the legacy that we're going to leave because the reality is we all leave a legacy. Today I want to talk to you about going and build a great life. And while it's not exclusively a message for our graduating seniors, it does have a, a touch of a flair toward that direction. So just hang in there with me as we work through it. Uh, many of us have heard the, um, the, the scripture verse in, in Psalm, uh, Proverbs 22 that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Well, the verses I want to talk to you this morning about are the ones right before that the things that we need to do and be doing and be prepared to do. Now, it was written by a guy named Solomon. I don't know if you know much about Solomon. Solomon is uh, purportedly the most wise man to ever live on planet Earth. When he was about to become king, God says, I will give you whatever your heart desires. He could have asked for wealth. He could ask for fame. He could have asked for reputation. He could ask for a myriad of things. And what he asked for was this, God, make me wise. Well, that's smart. Make us wise, God. So I want to look at five words that he gave for his children, for his sons, but for his children in general that I think are a word to us as we go build our great life. And some of you are thinking, Patrick, it's too late for me. My life's built and I'm done and I'm on the back door. Well, it's never too late to start doing the right things in life. So I want to show you five things this morning from Proverbs 22 that we need to grasp, I think, if we're going to go build this great life that God has for us. The first one is simply this. You need to set good priorities. Set good priorities. Look at verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Now, there are hundreds of statements in the, in the, in the Proverbs we could have looked at, and we're just going to look at these five because I think they really do bring it down to how to have a great life. And as we're celebrating the accomplishments of these graduates, we want to speak into their lives, obviously, but I think it speaks into all of our lives when we stop and think about it. So the first thought here is pretty straightforward. We determine the course of our life, we determine the course of our life by what we make important to us, what we make important to us. One of the interesting things about graduations, and there's been tons of them everywhere you go right now, is graduations really do mark a change in life, don't they? I mean, for 18 years, you've been students of public education. You've got up every morning, almost every morning, and gone to school, right? And you've been there every day learning. Well, come uh, later this week, for you seniors, that's gone. You don't have that anymore. But you still have to make choices in life, decisions in life, the direction in life. What are you going to do with your life? Whether you're going in on for additional education or whether you're going into the military or whether you're going to the workforce, the choices we make determine the outcome of our life. We have to set good priorities. Through this transition, there's a thought I want you to catch. What are my priorities in life going to be? Are going to be focused on social activities? Am I going to be focused on education? Am I going to be focused on generosity? Am I going to be focused on girls? Come on now. Or guy. Okay, guys. 
What are you going to be focused on? Are you going to be worried about making money? I want to make money. That's all I'm going to care. Solomon's word to his kids was this. And I think our word to our children as well is simply this. A good reputation is way more important than great riches. Who you are beats what you got every time. You see, as you move into adult life, separating yourself from the direct influence of your parents, you're going to make decisions that set the trajectory of your life. You're going to make choices along the way that are going to impact your life. They're going to make actions that determine outcomes that you may not even realize in the beginning. Solomon, let me tell you, was one wealthy dude. He had a lot of money. But he grasped the big picture that wealth didn't make him who he was. Wealth is not what made him who he was. He said, I want to do things that build my reputation. I want to build my life. And he did that by setting proper priorities. Hey, what are those kind of things? Let me give you a short list. There's things like this. Growing your relationship with God. You say, well, I'm done with youth group. I don't have to go to church anymore. Let me tell you what, that's just the beginning, guys. When you go off to, 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 to college, when you go off to uh, the military, when you go on to the workforce, wherever you go, find a place, find a church, plug in, find a group to get connected to. You're not finished with Jesus because you're 18. Life goes on. He wanted to build his reputation. We do that by growing our relationship. He said, making room for the things of God, disciplining ourselves to, to avoid things that lead us astray. I'm reminded of Jesus' instruction when he said this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So often we want to do what? We want to focus on the things. Get the stuff, get the stuff, get the stuff. Jesus says, focus on me and I'll take care of the rest. Consciously set good priorities. You set a tone, a trajectory in your life where you're going. Second, you need to acknowledge who you are. Now, that sounds like a, a, a real common sentiment in our culture today, and I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's not what you may have heard. Acknowledge who you are. Look what verse 2 says. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. So in addition to setting good priorities, we need to acknowledge who we are. Now, this is not a call to embrace foolishness. This is not a call to embrace perversion. Rather, it's a call to understand you are a unique creation of a holy God. You are somebody. We live in a society, we're told over and over again, we're accidents of nature, we're evolved animals, we're something inferior to God's amazing design. But the God of the Bible declares this, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's only one of you. And you are a creation of God's. That's amazing when you think about it. When you boil everything down, we find regardless of your wealth or lack thereof, you are a creation of God. Now, this truth has some implications that we need to grasp. It, 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 one of them means this, that that body you have is, uh, is a creation of God. I always find it interesting. We have college students, and I've over the last decades, I've watched college students that come up, high school students graduate, and they go off to college, they go off to the workforce, they go out, and they'll come back in a few years, and their bodies have changed. You know what I'm talking about? They, they talk about that freshman 15. Uh, some of them times it's because they've gotten finished growing. Sometimes it's because they, well, had other things they were doing with their lives. We have to make choices with our bodies. Your personality is a unique creation of God too. You know that? So you sometimes say, well, I'm weird. Well, okay, I, I, I think we're all weird in some ways. But what I want you to grasp is God created you with that, okay? To be unique, to be special, to be different, to be who you are. And your abilities and gifts were given to you by who? By God. Take those and run with them. Take those and use them in the world. What you need to understand is God created you, so celebrate your uniqueness, 
I think so often we live our lives doing this. Well, but, but he's got that ability. I wish I had that. Well, she can do that. I wish I could do that. Well, they have that. Let me tell you what. God has given you, has given you, has given you a certain ability that you can take and do things in the kingdom of God. Quit looking around at everybody else and do what God made you to be. Acknowledge who you are. Acknowledge. And for those of us who've trusted God, there's an even higher calling that says this. I'm going to stand boldly that I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, you know, we got kids going to, to Baptist schools. We've got kids going to state schools. We've got kids going to the military. We've got kids going into workforce. Let me tell you what. Every one of those places have got this, a whole bunch of lost folks. They're going to make fun of your Christian, your Christian faith. And you've got a choice to make. Am I going to stand up and be a follower of Jesus that I claim to be, or am I going to keep on doing something else to fit in? It's, it's real easy to fit in sometimes, but let me tell you what. Our culture says, do it at church, don't do it anywhere else. The Bible says, do it everywhere. Be a follower of Jesus everywhere and do that. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 10, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to be confrontational about it, but you really ought to be bold about it. and Step up and be who you are. Acknowledge who you are. It'd be like me trying to say, well, I'm not a part of of my family. Wife, I don't have a wife. Kids, I don't have kids. I would never try to do that in public. Why? Because I am grateful and I'm proud that I have a wife, that I have children, I have parents. Those are who I am. That's part of my life, right? But yet we will take our spiritual life and say, well, I'm, yeah, Jesus is over there. Let him be a part of who you are. Third, take the long view. Take the long view. Look at verse three. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, Solomon talks a word about prudence. I don't want to tell you, that's not a word we use often in conversation, is it? Uh, we might shorten it and say, well, he's a prude, but that's not the same thing, okay? Prudence, what are we talking about here? Th- this word's one we don't use commonly, so let me give you a definition. It's this, it's the quality of exercising measured cautiousness. Let me give you a simple version. It's thinking before you do. It's thinking before you speak. It's being prudent. This is quite the opposite of how many of us live, though, isn't it? We live based on, this is what I want. This is what I feel. This is what I desire. We want to do it, we do it. We think it's right, we do it. We want it, we go get it. But Solomon calls his children to step up to a better way of living. He says, you can be better. You can do better. In fact, he says that those who don't live prudently will find themselves in places they never thought they might end up. As children, you really do have all of your lives ahead of you. And I know you're not children. Y'all are adults. I get it. Okay, but here's the thing. Lord willing, you've got a lot more days ahead of you than you do behind you. What are you going to do with those? What do you want to be when you're 20? You're going, that's only two years. What do you want to be when you're 30? What do you want to be when you're 50? What do you want your life to look like? Take some time and think those things through. Look out there into the distance and take the long view. Figure out what you'd like to see happen. What is God leading you to be? What he wants you to go and do in this life? As children, you've got those days ahead of you. So prudently decide where you're going to go. If you don't, somebody else will. They'll push you one direction or another. Paul wrote this. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he reap. 
For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let me tell you what, you, if you sow hard work and effort in whatever career field you're going into, you will get a rip, reap a blessing from it. But if you go in there and try to skate through and get along, you'll get that. I was having a conversation with one of your, your classmates this week about finance and how school uh, is important. And he said, you don't want to skate through finance. I got to tell you, I don't want a financial advisor who got straight C's in college. Do you? I want the guy who excelled in that program. He knew what he was doing. He understood the process. He knew the program. I said, would you want a preacher who went to seminary, uh, seminary and got all D's? I didn't, by the way. I got mostly A's. But I want you to know, we want those people who have what? Done the work. It takes time. It takes effort. Take the long view. Look out through there. Number four, humbly receive from the Lord. Look at verse four. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is what? Riches and honor and life. Now, Paul, uh, Solomon talks here about a great outcome. He says, here's what you, you're going to find. If you'll do these things, you're going to get some great blessings. I've got to ask how many of you don't want blessings in your life? Yeah, exactly. We all want that, right? We want God to bless. We want God to move. We want him to give the things to us. He wants to bring things. We want him to bring good things in our life. Godly blessings come as a result of living a life of humility and fear. Did you catch that in the scripture? Humility and fear. You're going, wow, humility and fear. So I'm going to be afraid of everything and not talk to anybody. No, that's not what he's talking about. These are two concepts that honestly are very foreign to us, but they're very key to understanding God's great riches. What is biblical humility? Biblical humility goes beyond, beyond gratitude, and it goes beyond a lack of arrogance. It includes those things. Don't misunderstand. It goes beyond it. They're part of it. Biblical humility speaks of living a life that is ultimately grounded in God's life. Let me say that again. Biblical humility speaks of a life living, uh, that's living a life ultimately grounded in God's nature. In other words, it's be like God. You're going, he's telling us we've got to be like God? Jesus says, be like me. And Jesus is, hello, y'all with me? That is the call he has for us. The big idea is that we need to live a life that trusts God fully, not trying to figure it out on our own. So humility is choosing to receive your portion from the Lord. You go, okay, God made me to do this. He gave me to do this. He gave me this ability. He gave me this skill. He gave me this talent. Okay, I'm gonna, what am I going to do with it? I want to be grateful for God. I'm going to go take it and use it. I'm going to tell you, you want to figure out what you want to be in life when you grow up? Find out what you have a passion for and go do that. The most miserable people on the planet are those who are working jobs that they don't want to be in because they've got to figure out how to pay the bills that they've already committed to because they made decisions that they wish they hadn't made, and now they're stuck. You don't want to be those people. You want to receive from the Lord the blessing of who you are. The psalmist said this, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you made me like me. And then you add to humility this, a healthy fear for the Lord. You're going, wait, i got to be afraid of God. That's not what he's talking about. It's not a sense of being terrified. It's not you watch the latest horror flick and you're screaming like, ah, that's not what he's talking about. What it is is this. The idea is that, a God, is that we view God with a healthy respect, but we also recognize this, his superior wisdom. When I don't know the answer, 
I can poll the church and say, what do y'all think? And when I don't know the answer, I can go to my dad and ask him what he thinks. Uh, I don't know the answer, I can ask my wife, what do you think? But at the end of the day, you know who's got the best wisdom? God does. So instead of trying to run your own show, how about deferring to God, looking to his truth, looking to his word, letting him speak. Proverbs, the writer Solomon said earlier in Proverbs this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Guys, you've accomplished, lady, you've accomplished a lot. You've learned a lot, but you've got a lot left to do, as do we all, don't we? We haven't figured it all out yet. We're still learning. We, when we come to the place where we think we know it all, when we come to the place where we think we got enough to get by, what we've done at that point is we said, okay, I'm done learning, so now I'm going to start dying. You go, well, nobody says that. No, but that's what happens. Because when we quit learning, we start to decline. When we start grow, stop growing, we start dying. And so we want to be people. I want to challenge you to be people. Church, I want to challenge you to be people that continues to grow and keep moving forward and discovering God's blessings in your life. Because in the process, what you find is this. He will give you a great life. And my prayer is that your life would be long as you're humble, as you're fearful. And you do that, you discover great riches. Now, that may not mean a lot of cash. But riches come in a lot of different ways. It may not mean being recognized at school or recognized at work or recognized in society. But the honor of being a faithful follower of Jesus is worth more than all the rest of that. It may not even mean a long life. We all know those who have died way too soon. But it will include a life that you make a difference. One more thought I want you to see. And it's this to establish good guardrails. You know what guardrails are, right? Yeah. They have a design. They're designed to what? Keep us from going off the road. Look what verse 5 says. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. But whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. Now, I, I really suspect Solomon never drove a road with real, actual guardrails. I get that. But the thought in the verse here it lends itself to the need for guardrails. You're thinking, Patrick, what are you talking about? Why are we talking about guardrails? This is not Highway Class 101. I, I'm with you. Y'all hang in there with me, okay? But some people decide they're going to live their life on the edge, don't they? They say, I'm going to run my life at 100 miles an hour, and I'm going to go as fast as I can. I'm going to do the craziest things I can. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm going to if you can get away with that, more power to you. And I'm not even sure there's anything wrong with living a life that's always on the go. As long as you set guardrails. You go, what are you talking about, Patrick? Guardrails. Solomon understood this. He says life is full of some things. Look what it says in the scripture. There's thorns and snares. You're going, thorns and snares? I'm not a gardener. But thorns and snares can get into our lives, can't they? And they can begin to drag us away from the better things in life, the good things in life, the great things in life, and make us miss things that God has for us because we've allowed the trash to fill up around us. You know, these are the areas that where maybe you struggle personally. You're going, I can't do this very well. Let me, let me tell you an illustration from my life. You know, since we've been married, we've made a decision that we would never, ever, ever, ever walk into a, buffet again 
And you're probably thinking, why? Because your pastor has no control when there's a thousand options to not get all thousand of them on the plate, okay? I can't go to those places. So that is a guardrail in my life that says we will not be a part of that activity ever again, okay? We can thank a buffet in Amarillo one time for the benefit of that. But I want to tell you, we don't do that anymore. You're probably thinking, that's stupid. I don't have a problem with with buffets, okay? You may not have a problem with a buffet. Maybe you have a problem with some other thorn or snare in your life, and you need to create a guardrail that says, this is never where I'm going to be because to be there is the wrong place. You may need to set a guardrail on alcohol. A lot of opportunities and options coming up, guys. going to be out there. What are you going to do with it? Don't wait till you're in the middle of it to make the decision. Decide ahead of time. Alcohol can ruin your life. I know a man who can sit and talk to you about that for hours. And by God's grace, he's been delivered from it. But let me tell you what, it was not a pretty road. How about this one? How about sex? You're going, oh my gosh, we're talking about sex in church. Yeah? Because let me tell you what, you're going to have opportunities to do things there that can change your life radically. Set a guardrail. Where's the limit? Where's the road? Where's the stop? How about social media? You know, you can ruin your reputation on, a, on social media in a hurry by saying the wrong thing. There's a thousand other things we can talk about. But my point is this, dear students, dear church, we need to stop and say, okay, what's allowable for me and what's not? And set a guardrail that says no more. Maybe, maybe you've, there are people you have that you've got to limit access to in your life. I've had to do that some. First Corinthians says this, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You know, it's one kind of fun. When I graduated high school, and, and if y'all start calling me this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset. But when I graduated high school, I went by the name Pat. I'm not a Pat. Y'all all know me as what? Patrick. Why? Because I made a decision when I graduated high school. I was no longer Pat. I am now Patrick. You get to reinvent your life in a lot of ways with this transition. It's a good opportunity. Take a step forward. Or maybe you need to hear the words of Solomon when he said this, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. Man, you let the trash into life, it's going to start changing you. Guys, we only get one trip through this life. Some of you say, yeah, I'm toward the end of it. I get that. But you're not done yet. Some of you are at the beginning of it, right? You got a lot ahead of you. Make some good decisions. Set up proper guardrails so you can have the right outcome. And by the way, if you don't set those guardrails... You may find somebody else sets them for you. They have big facilities in our state. One of them's right here in town. They have a room for you if you don't take control of your life. I got to tell you, I have an opportunity to minister out there some, and there's not one guy out there that's guilty. None of them did anything wrong. It's amazing. I'm thinking, how in the world did you end up here? Well, they got the wrong guy. They accused me. I didn't do it. Hmm. Get the wrong place, wrong time. You might find yourself in a place you don't want to be, like prison. So, but what's the most important decision? And I'll wrap up with this. Do you know Jesus? Have you come to the place where you met Christ? Because that's where it all starts. That's where it all begins is do I know Jesus? Have I experienced his love personally? Have I come to that point in life where I said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you more than anything else and I want to give you my life. 
If you haven't done that, today's an opportunity to do that. We want to give you that opportunity to experience him. Maybe you have another decision. You say, man, I have been faithful. I know Jesus. I haven't been doing the right thing. Maybe today's the day you say, okay, look, I'm going to set it right. I'm going to listen to Solomon's words, and I'm going to go forward in my life and do the right things. What do you need to confess, to repent, to change? What's your next step? Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the special opportunity we've had today to recognize these seniors. But Father, don't let us focus on them to the extent that we miss the call you might have for us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for blessing us. And we pray for those who have some type of decision they do need to make, that you'd give them that opportunity and the faith to step out if they need to, to come and pray at an altar if they need to, to share publicly if they need to. And we're going to give it all to you, Jesus. In your name we pray.